This is Hustle and Pro with Kelly Walker. Join Kelly as she talks sports with players, coaches, organizers, and entrepreneurs from BWE League to Pro. Now here's your host, Kelly Walker. On today's episode of Hustle and Pro, we are talking to Mike Leary. Welcome, Mike. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, Mike, uh, you're a producer for the Dallas Stars, and I am super interested to learn about that, what that means, and how you actually got to this point of being behind the scenes in sports. First, let's get to know you with a couple quick hits. Who's your favorite all-time athlete? It's got to be Tom Brady. Parents are born and raised in Boston, so we're big Patriots, Red Sox, Celtics, Celtics and Bruins fans. So, yeah. Okay. Who's your favorite all-time team, if you can pick one of those? Uh, my father would be happy if I said the probably the Red Sox, because that's his of the favorite of the four. Yeah. Okay. What What about you? Or what's second? Probably Patriots, because I, I I was a football player growing up through high school and college, so football's always been my favorite sport. So okay. probably Patriots. Well, the next question is, what's your favorite sport to watch? Football, by by far. And play. Yes. Football and football. Yes. Okay. And now you don't work in football right now. Uh, not not full time. Okay. I do uh, some freelance games for high school, okay. and I'm doing some football, some college football this year for Fox Sports Southwest. I so. didn't know that. Awesome. Yeah. Last quick hits question: What's the farthest distance you've traveled to either, I guess, work in sports, watch sports, play sports, anything sports related? Travel? Just just in within the U.S. Nothing else. Actually, that's not true. I've been to Van- Vancouver, obviously Toronto. Uh, Calgary, Edmonton, you know, when we're in the NHL season, that's probably the furthest. Yeah, you say obviously because of hockey, so lots of uh, Canadian travel. Yeah. So um, the sports that you work in now, it's hockey and baseball primarily. Mm -hmm. But I want to go backwards a little bit and sort of learn growing up, like what were your childhood sports that you played and were into the most growing up? Yeah, it was all football in my house. I tried out for basketball and baseball and for one reason or another didn't go that direction but started playing when I was eight years old my dad was a big football guy so he got both my brother and I in at early ages uh, played peewee all the way through high school and then I was lucky enough to go to Central Connecticut State which had a great TV program one of the bigger reasons why I went there but the other reason was to play football you played there yeah what position wide receiver punt returner kick returner yep and you, so you moved to, you were in Connecticut in school, mm-hmm. and then, um, now you're new to Frisco. Correct. Been New-ish, a couple years? Almost three years. Okay. Yep. So where were you, or were you in the Chicago area before that? Yes. So just going all the way back, I'm an Army brat, so I was born in Japan. I've lived in uh, Germany for a year and a half. I spent most of my younger years in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Um, and then ultimately moved to Connecticut to live with my grandparents because my dad was still moving around. And um, it was just a great, great neighborhood, great kids, great schools, and they wanted the best for me. So they sent me to live with my grandparents. Um, yeah, so I settled in nicely there. I made varsity as a freshman. Uh, and uh, we ended up winning the state championship my senior year, which was great. And uh, But I knew... You know, football was going to be something I hope to continue doing, mm-hmm. but uh, I learned pretty early on that I wanted to be in television. As in high school early on? or Yeah, so my grandfather uh, was an engineer and a mass control operator at the local CBS affiliate in Hartford, Connecticut. And I used to go to, to his work all the time, and I just thought it was the coolest thing. And so I got the TV bug real early. Probably, I was probably 12, maybe oh, wow. 13. Yeah. And so when I was seeing that, um, 
you know, in the high schools when they have plays and assemblies, well, they usually film them. Well, I asked if I could do that, and that became my job. So you were getting experience early on Correct. behind the camera. Correct. And then in college, that's what you studied and Correct. learned how to do. Yep, communication major, video production and programming. So then you knew, while you were doing that, you knew it would be sports that you would want to go into. I didn't know. I, I wanted sports, but I knew kind of the idea. You usually start in news. You know, you start in that um, platform first, and then you kind of spawn from there. So uh, it's interesting. My, my first intern internship, the first day I was there, was at the TV station uh, that my grandfather worked at. So when I went in, it was like 4.30, so they had the 5 o'clock news uh, coming on so the guy I was interning for Dan Lafferty s sat me down in the control room he said just hang out in here just kind of watch how things sort of develop before the five o'clock show starts so I sat in there just was kind of listening and observing the TD the audio guys the uh, the, the Chiron operator and then about five minutes before the producer and director storm in it was so quiet in there before, but they storm in. They're like, all right, we've got a five-alarm fire in Burlington. And oh, so, all so yeah. oh, it was crazy. So the first, they're like, pages one through ten are now dead. We're now, you know, going breaking news. And, and I just, I was overwhelmed and, like, just so focused on how both of them come in, came in and everybody was listening to them and, you know, ready to march at every beat that they, that, that they were ready for. So it was, it was, that would, that really hooked me. Like I, I liked TV before, but that moment probably really hooked me. When you saw it first. When I saw it firsthand, yeah. because, you know, I've always been, uh, if it was third and 15, like I wanted them to call, I wanted them to call my play. Mm -hmm. uh, in high school and before then, if there was a school project, I always wanted to be the leader. So this really fits me. It, you know, uh, I've always loved pressure. Uh, I feel like, for the most part, I've handled it well. Because um, this seems like a job that is very like stressful, said, very moving crazy. fast, yes. super fast paced. Things change. You have to be on it right. all the time, right? right? Yeah. So tell me. Let's fast forward to, the, to now. Then yeah. tell me, what is the typical? day look like for you as a producer for the Dallas Stars when you're producing a game? <laughs> yeah, night. it generally starts, um, you know, when we're looking ahead to games, there's certain elements that we do in our shows that take a week of prep, whether it's a big tease, which is the first thing you see off the top of the show. You know, it's a, it's a big written script, it's animations, it's video, it's great music. And that's how we start our show before we come on camera and we give you you know, we know you're tuning in to see your Dallas Stars and you love your Dallas Stars. Our job in our open is to give you a hook, what to, to look for, what storylines are going on, what to watch for. Um, and and Daryl Ray, our color analyst, is one of the best in the country. Love and him. Best, he's so good. Um, so our day starts generally a week before if we're trying to get this big produced tease. Otherwise, we do, we do these day of teases. But the night before, all my research, write whatever scripts I need, check all the emails from marketing and sales, make sure we have all those elements together. I put them into a format that I use. Um, and then in the morning, go to Morning Skate, I sit with Razor and Josh, and at that point, after Morning Skate and after the guys have talked to the coaches and some of the players, we'll formulate an open or storylines in-game of things that we know we want to get to. Every game is 
is the game, and we're there to cover the game. It's anything we can do on top of that to enhance your experience when watching it, and or for the fans that aren't at the game, how do we bring the excitement of what's going on in that bowl to them at home? Mm -hmm. So it's as we're formulating an open and storylines, we're keeping all those things sort of in mind. But the game is the game. We're going to cover the game, but it's what we can bring outside of that stats, flashbacks, storylines, whatever fun, you know, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. So, Updates on player injuries, who's playing, who's not, correct, why, all that or, stuff. yeah, all the right. history all the big of stories. the opponent. Sure, yeah. exactly. So once morning skate's done, so once we uh, have sort of come up with all the ideas, um, Razor and Josh then go home, they, you know, they're doing press, they're doing whatever they're doing, getting ready uh, for the show that night. I go straight to the truck, um, I'm usually the first person there. Our crew usually shows up about six hours before the game, uh, so I'm there about seven and a half hours before in the truck, just kind of getting ready, getting all my formats printed so when everybody walks in, I can hand them the sheets and say, you know, go go build, make these things, these elements that we have. How many people pretty. are we talking about that's on your crew that's there six hours ahead? Yeah, it's about 25 to 30 between camera people, graphics people, audio people, uh, you know, stage managers, utilities, the, the head engineers, replay operators, you know, there's, it's, it's about, yeah, it's a they lot of people. They all have to know exactly the plan. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, they, everybody has certain responsibilities that are day to day. Mm -hmm. So they come in and start doing those. There's a few positions, uh, graphics and lead EVS, uh, that get to work right away on the things that I know I need them to build. And then they'll delegate within their departments. Um, so that's why it's great to be able to hand the format off as soon as they walk in. Because six hours, we do it. It's not a lot of time to get ready for a game, but it's, it's enough time, but you have to be organized. Those are the things that I think I've always been great at, just being organized. My thought has always been, if I can hand this to you quickly and give you plenty of time, then you can build something pretty that makes our show look great. So I try to be as organized as possible for those people that are, that are handling those positions that do the creativity side, you know, okay. building the teases, packages, graphics. Things, that, yeah, the things that we see before. So then when, when we're talking game time starting, are, well, are you in the truck this entire time everything's happening? The only time I leave is to go see the announcers in the booth and go to have dinner. Okay. Other than that, I'm in the truck the entire time. So yeah. when it's game time, um, I mean, because these are long games, too. Yeah. Right. Several, I mean, three hours? You're yeah, for hockey, it's two and a half, 2.45. Two yeah. Baseball, yes, they're, they're, they can be four and a half. Yeah. But last night, Rangers did a 2.19, so you never know. Quick game. Quick game. You Mike Miner, he was great last yeah. night. Um, so when this is happening... What is your role? Are you verbally, you know, spitting orders out all over the place verbally and yes. telling cameras to cut and go? And, like, what are you actually doing? Yeah, so the way I sort of try to explain it for people that don't know television and what we do, the, the producer is like the head coach. He's the one that has the ideas um, and what direction the show is going to go. Uh, the producer calls replays, decides when we're going to break, how we're going to break, what we're doing coming out of break when we're going to read a promo, when we're going to do a storyline, when we're going to do a graphic. I'm the one talking to the announcers. You know, there's, there's constant dialogue between Razor and I in terms of what replays we want to do, what direction we want to go with the show. Um, and then, you know, Josh's are sort of, you know, getting us from whistle to whistle calling the action, but he also is in talk back, hey, what do you need from me here? Can I get this guy on a whistle? Um, the director of the show, which is Mark Vittorio, He's like our quarterback, so um, he executes our plan. So if I know I want to go to a certain sequence of replays, mm -hmm. you know, I 
vocalize that to him via, we, we call our replay machines letters and colors. Mm -hmm. So like one replay machine might be red, one's blue, one's A, one's X. So during, what something might sound like during a game would be, all right, ready to replay to red. So I'm telling that to my director and he's telling that to the TD. All right, go to red. Uh, so he'll show replay to red, replay. he'll show that replay. All right, stand by to go to X real time, meaning he's gonna go to another replay but he's going to be going Faster real, motion. he's going to, you're going to hear it. Uh -huh. So those, that's what, so, and then, you know, I can say to him, all right, come out to 24 white with graphic one or font one. Um, so that and those are the small in-between things that we don't correct. think about when we're watching. I mean, it could correct. be a half second that's just a graphic that's just getting you from one screen to the other, yes, right? Yes, yes. And so it's not just like a cut. You guys put something in there for us to make it smooth. Correct. Yeah, we want to keep the, the presentation looking as clean as possible. Um, but also give you the information that you need. You know, was you know, did where did that hit on the post? Did somebody tip it in the slot? You know, um, so we're trying to give you that or present that in the best way possible via yeah transitions or you know super slow mo cameras or whatever it yeah. is. But it's um, sitting in a sitting in a truck for hockey is vastly different for baseball. I bet it's so much faster. It's it's organized chaos. It's crazy. I mean, baseball has a good pace to it too in the truck, but not even close to hockey. It's just the ho well, it's nonstop the hockey. Yeah. And well, how long have you worked in hockey? So this is I'll be going into my 18th season. And so before the Stars, you were with the Chicago, Chicago Blackhawks Black yeah, for 14 years. Yeah. The Blackhawks for 14 years. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and I did White Sox for four. So I did two teams, just like I do here. I did two teams in Chicago with the White Sox and Blackhawks. So 14 years, and then I came here, and I'm doing two teams, but less baseball than I did in Chicago. So that when you talk about the pace, is the pace of hockey um, the hardest part to keep up with? Yeah, the game moves fast. Um, we really push our shows, too. You know, there is there is this level of quality that we want in our shows, and that that so that's a that's you know one tier of stuff that we're dealing with. The other is the speed of the game. The game is getting faster than it's ever been. Um, these players are just they're, they're just lightning fast up and down the ice, and we're trying to show as much as we can too. With the pace of play, you can go through three or four minutes without a whistle, mm -hmm. and we have to determine between Razor and I. All right, there could be five great plays that happen during that stretch. Which ones are we going to show? Because we can't show them all. Right, and because, you got to rewind. Because you, well, do we you go back four minutes, two minutes. Well, that's like, the yeah. thing. So usually, usually as play goes on, I'll mark one machine that has one look of a maybe a big save, mm -hmm. and then as game continues and there's no whistle, maybe there's a big hit. So now I have another machine that's on the hit, mm -hmm. and then maybe there's two more other great saves, and then we can finally get a whistle with a big shot off the post that goes into the netting. So now you're like, okay. What are we showing? What's most important? And it's instantaneous. And instantaneous. And that's just the that's just the shared responsibility between Razor and I. You know what? I mean, I'm always going to. He he played the game. He's been playing this. He's had a hockey stick in his hand since he was three. Yeah. I will always defer to him. And he's, he's got to be the one that speaks to speaks over the replay. Correct. Well, so exactly. if he didn't think that was that important. Right, and he and listen, and if I show him something that you know maybe he didn't think was that great, that important, he's still going to do it, and he's going to do it well because he's a pro. Sure. Um, but yeah, there is a healthy communication back and forth between him and I that has to happen quickly, um, because if you don't, so once that w once you go away f from action to a replay, you're always taking a chance because they're still they're not waiting for us right. on the ice. 
They so, can get back at it right so, away. Right. So we have to get into those replays quickly and out so we can see that face, that next drop of the face off and go. Because if you don't, if there's a face off in the zone and it's a one pass mm -hmm. out from the drop, that puck can go in the net. You could and miss it. You could miss it. Yeah. So uh, and that, that won't make it. In 18 happy, years, yeah. I've missed one. You've missed one goal. I've missed one Only. Goal. That's pretty good. 18 years, yeah. So, so we ha so again, it, there's this. Everybody, it's like I said earlier, it's an organized chaos. Everybody knows what our responsibilities are. Everybody knows what we're trying to do. Um, it's just actually the execution and getting it done. Um, and I just can't, even though I'm the producer and I'm governing the show, I need every single person and every single chair in that truck and in the cam in the camera guys and the audio guys doing what they do best for us to make it all work. Because mm -hmm. we take all these pieces, you know, if it's 40 or figure 40 or 50 pieces, and we shrink them down to one TV screen. We bring them all into one TV screen, which is what you see at mm -hmm. home. So we're doing our best behind the scenes. It's crazy, and sometimes there's yelling and screaming. Uh, sometimes it's just, you know, we're as excited as the action is on the ice, so we're cheering yeah. um, when there's a great chance, you know, when <laughs> Rope Hens comes down the wing, and, uh, you know, we're on the edge of our seats just like fans are. Uh, so that's that's, that's some of the real cool parts about this job. Yeah. Well, we're cheering on the other side of the TV, watching. Correct. Yes. Yeah, there's cheering sometimes going on in the truck as well. So have you... Um, I'm not, I don't know my math here, and I don't know the Chicago Blackhawks very well. Have you been in with a team that's won a Stanley Cup? I was there for all three. Okay. Yes. When was that? Sorry. Uh, well, the the first one was in 10. Okay. It was 2010, 11, 13, I think. So when those teams do well, make yeah. the playoffs, yeah. keep playing, and go, are you still doing that, or does that cut to a different team? That, that, so uh, the way the TV contract is with the national rights holders, we only do the first round. When I first started doing this, we used to do the first two rounds. Mm -hmm. that, uh, and then when NBC came in, um, now the regionals only can do the first round. Um, we'll see when the new contract comes up. I think it's up in like two years with NBC. What happens after that? Mm -hmm. So right now, I can do play. I can still produce playoff hockey in the first round, which is fantastic. Yeah. Which goes to an absolute another level for any hockey fan that you know loves the game. They sure. know that it just goes to another level. Uh, after that, though, no, I move over. That's when I move over to baseball. Okay. I get why they have to, or why they want to have different crews come on when it's mm -hmm. in the in the deep rounds, but. Yeah. As a local fan, we hate when it all changes. Of course. The voices change, you know, we're right. like, wait, where's Razor? You know, you miss right. you miss what you're used to watching. Right. Turn on the radio, turn your volume down yeah. on your TV, at least you'll get some of that. But it, yeah, it's it's just gonna feel and look different. You yeah. know, and that's you know that's the yeah, so I was talking to a gentleman the other day just about the differences between doing national television and regional, because I've done both. Um, there's a great feeling about regional television. Like you know, yes, I would love maybe to have the opportunity to do all national broadcasts. That would be probably a goal. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a great feeling about doing re regional television and really getting to embrace your team and everything about your team. Um, you know, you know, we look at ourselves as equally as important as we travel on the, you know, with the charter because mm -hmm. we have this great responsibility to the fans to present them their team. Um, but it's just, you know, you're. You're a real fan of these guys, you know, because you get you you see what they go through, you see what hours of the morning they get in, mm. you see when we go from a night game to a day game, and, and you know these guys getting on the plane and they limp, and then yet they're playing the next day. Amazing. I mean, so you become a real big fan of these guys and what they do. I mean, you see what they do on the ice, but what you don't see is behind the scenes. Right. And I'm truly amazed as a former athlete, not at this level, but 
as a former athlete to see what these guys put themselves through every night and every day is amazing. It so, is, I bet, yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's it, being on the regional side is pretty nice because you really get intimate with the team. Yeah, which is I great. bet. I bet that's one of the best parts of your job. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Then talking about baseball. So you, like you said, late into the hockey season, you start shifting over a little bit. And then in the summer, you, that is kind of your, either your fill-in or that's what you're doing is, is Texas Rangers baseball. Correct. Right? Yeah. So there's two of us, there's two producers for baseball. There's so many games. Yeah. Um, so one of the ideas of me coming here was to probably do a little less in the summer. I've got two young kids. Um, you know, my wife's a stay-at-home mom. I, you know, I, I just want to be home more, less travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's one of the reasons why I took the job down here in, in Texas. Um, but I'm doing, in, you know, I'm doing a roughly 55, 60 games for the Rangers every year. That so sounds like a lot. It, it is, uh, but it's, you know, I go from doing, just say it's, let's just with playoffs, it's 85 games for stars in six mm-hmm. months, to down to 55, 60. So it's, it's a lighter load, not significant, but it's definitely a lighter load. But when you're looking over 162 games, and I'm only doing 55, right. 60, that's a lot less, yeah. a lot less than I used to do in Chicago. So, um, but there are stretches that it's, you know, you're going on these long road trips, so you're away from your family. You know, you could be away nine, 10, 11 days. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a challenge. But you know, you know, uh, when I, my wife is, she's all, all about my job. She loves what I do. She knows that I love what I do, so she handles it. Uh, pretty well, but uh, yeah, the schedule is—it's—it's it's not as you know, baseball days aren't as long. This just the season feels longer because right. there's so many games because it's literally every day. It's every day. You have They're a random just, Monday, kind of, yeah. Thursday off, you know, here and there. Like I think this, the Rangers just had a stretch of twenty. They played twenty and twenty-one days. Ooh, and now they're getting their break. Yeah, a little bit a little of a break. break. Yeah, the break, that break's coming up. They're on the road right now, um, but they'll come back. Yeah, they'll they'll recharge during the break as all the teams do. But it's really a grind. It's interesting. Um, I was telling somebody somebody this the other day. You know, when I played football, if you lost on Saturday, you didn't get over that loss until like Tuesday. Mm-hmm. You know, you you had film on Monday where the coach just you know if you lost, right. he wasn't going to be happy. So the film session didn't go well for anybody. But you didn't really that loss didn't leave you until Tuesday. I remember traveling my first year and uh, my first road trip. We had the White Sox had just lost like seven to nothing, and we went on the road after that game. And the guys, it, you know, they were light, they were laughing, and I just, I couldn't believe it. I didn't understand. I'm like, what's going you on here? Lost, yeah. You just lost seven nothing. I don't get it. But now I do. You know, it, you can't go through a season doing the highs and lows through a baseball season, 162 games. You just Two can't minutes. do it. Yeah. You know, you have to take that game for what it is, learn from it, and move on. You have to short memory because yeah. there's no way you'd, you'd be mentally exhausted by June. Right. So and I with get baseball, it. you can have the same opponent two nights in a row, mm-hmm. and it's completely different outcomes right. based on your pitching staff Correct. or whatever it is. Whether, I mean, who knows? Sometimes there, you don't even know the factors right. that cause a hitter to hit mm-hmm. one night or whatever um, mm-hmm. that score to be different between two teams. So, yeah, they have to just compartmentalize, move on, move play on. it at the next day. Exactly. What's your favorite part about producing a baseball game? Uh, let's see um, the big moments. You know when I, I can't I can't get enough of one one games in the bottom of the ninth. You know you're hanging on every pitch, and that's the other thing I just absolutely respect about the game of baseball. And when these games do slow down, yeah, the fans are like, all right, let's go pitch. Get you know get in the box, throw the ball. 
but I love that battle between two people trying to figure each other out, yeah. you know? And I love, so I love those big moments. Mm -hmm. I also do love watching how a pitcher faces a hitter the first time through the lineup, the second, the third, mm -hmm. if, if How they learn the and fourth. adapt and change. Correct, and then vice versa. Uh, so those are probably my two favorite things about it. Um, I do love the game, I love the history of the game. Um, but those, you know, again, it's, it's no shocker that I, that it, probably the best part of it is when it's go time, you yeah. know, when it's down to the last pitch. And yeah. I like, again, I like that pressure. I do too. I, I'm a baseball nut. I love baseball. Yeah. I took the history of baseball in college just for fun. It was like a at home, do it mm -hmm. yourself kind of class yeah. just to read and take tests or whatever. And I love baseball. And I know what you mean. When people say it's slow, it kills me because I'm like, there's so much happening in between every pitch. There is there's stuff going on, and how are they? How's the pitcher reacting? And what's and then when it does happen, it is such a quick, fast second moment, right. whatever millisecond that yep. they have to react and decide. The batter has to decide. So do you like long at bats then? Yeah, I'd like to see two guys battle. Yeah. Uh, we've gotten into a little bit of that during the art. So we did an art of pitching and an art of hitting theme night over the last few weeks. And we got into that a little bit, where this art of hitting, this last one, I just had um, tag Tom Grieve. Instead of Dave Raymond calling balls and strikes, we had tag come in and do sort of play-by-play -play and just talk the fans through the mentality for both pitcher and hitter through each pitch. And we would put up a graphic that would tell you what the batter's average is on an 0-1 count or if it's a 2-1 count. And we just had him talk over that. that. And I find that to be just awesome. Is it somewhere I can go find it if I didn't catch it live? Yeah, I mean, you can probably go back on the app and, okay. you know, and, and go watch the game. But there, we did it, I think we did it four or five times on set, that Saturday game. And then I did it once or twice again on Sunday just because I think this is something we're going to continue to do because cool. I found that interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, you, we have those conversations behind the scenes. We have a, the, all, both announcers have a box in front of them they call the talkback box. So whenever they want to talk to us during the truck and not broadcast their mic over the air, they'll push this button. It'll cut their mic over the air and they can talk to us. So we're having those conversations back and forth during the game, but the fans aren't hearing it. So this is a great opportunity for fans to really get the breakdown of both what the pitcher's thinking right now, what the hitter's thinking through an entire at-bat. And then, oh, that's so, cool. And yeah. then when we were looking at this, we were saying, okay, well, we have to do a guy that takes a lot of pitches. Because it's hard to do on for guys like Chu or whoever. He's going to fit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're trying to find our we're, – we're, we're selecting from our hitters that can go deep in counts. They're getting four, five, six pitches. Yeah. And it's fantastic. I, I just love that, yeah, that sort of battle fantastic. between the two of them. That I'm going to go game. find it. Yeah. Or pay more attention. Yeah. Well, we'll, do it, we'll do it again, okay. for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. What's the hardest part about baseball? You told me about the best part, your favorite parts, the big moments. But whereas speed uh, on the ice is the hardest part of a hockey game, what's the hardest part about putting the baseball game package together? Yeah, it's, it's probably... The hardest part is probably when there's a stoppage of play and the uh, all the umpires are coming together and we don't know what they're discussing. Mm -hmm. Because now we're guessing. Now we're going, so for me, I'm going up back on replays and I'm looking at, I'm looking at all the replays, okay, um, you know, did the did the hitter, did he touch the base when he was rounding to go to second? Uh, was there interference somewhere? Was there, you know, there's all these things that could possibly be a mm -hmm. reason for them to be delaying the game, and you just don't know. That's probably, because you don't want to leave your fans hanging. That's, you just don't want to do that. You want to give them the information quickly. You'll see, give an example. So 
during a game, if they're usually on a regular replay sequence, let's say there's a gr it's a great 6-4-3 double play, all right? Elvis to uh, Odor, over to Guzzi, and it's a great, great play. I'll show, when I go to replays, I'll show the, ex the catch mm -hmm. by uh, Elvis over to Odor and the throw over. If it's a close play, I don't show that yet. The first thing I show is, is that is that hitter safe or is he out at uh -huh. first? The so I'll show outcome. that first, I'll show a mo shot, uh -huh. a first base to show that first because if fans at home want to know, was he safe or was he out? Uh -huh. Then I'll go back and you show the highlight. how it develops. Correct. It's just the same with hockey. If there is a, uh, if there's, we're not sure if it's a goal or not, if the puck went in, I, there might have been a fabulous hit or four check that let, or turnover that led from one end to the other, which I would normally show you. You know, in replays, you tell the story of mm -hmm. how the play happened. But if there's a questionable goal, the first thing you're going to see is the overhead. Or you're going to, I'm going to show you a shot to tell you is it a goal or not. Then we can go back to see all the highlight yeah. stuff. Okay. But again, Good. again, it's letting the fans know right away, is this guy safe or was that a goal? Even if they're discussing it, we don't know yet. We don't, but exactly. that's what they're talking about. Right. Yeah. I'm going to give the fans every look that I have to show them yes, because they want to know, did their team score, especially if it's a close game? Right. Did they score? Did they not? Is that guy safe? Because it's the bottom of the ninth and they're trying to get guys on. So I'm trying, I want to show them that piece of information first. We can always go back and show the highlight play that the guy you know, made before him or if it's a turnover, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. We can always go back to the show that. But this means more now than those That's things. That's so cool. Yeah. Is what's being shown in the stadium a completely different feed of everything than what see people see at home, right? Yes, they a have. A replay situation. Correct. There is the in-house presentation has their own crew. Mm -hmm. They have their own cameras. They do share some of our cameras and that, so they get some of the same looks that we have. Okay. So there will be similar looks that you see in the Jumbotron and that we see and uh, you'll see at home, but we don't work in conjunction with each other. Do the cameras that the baseball, the umpires see to call a re to make a decision is that is that a separate camera crew, or do they also get to use your camera? So they're looking at, they have, Major League Baseball has both, they call them dirty program feeds. That's the home and visitor, because there's a home and visitor show at every ballpark. So they have, they're seeing our replays. They do have access to cameras individually that are in the ballpark. Um, and they have all our cameras individually. So they're seeing, they have every, Tons basically, they have everything that's available. Um, and they're, basing their you know decision off of oh, that stuff okay. so but it's our responsibility to my responsibility first is to our fans yes it's probably equal to the responsibility of of to major league baseball but they have the, they have They'll their stuff that they out. have their stuff as well yeah. but it, my responsibility is is to our fans and to get them the information as quickly and accurately as possible and do you use any so if it's a replay and you know it's definitely going to get overturned because that guy's foot's That's off good the back question. or whatever what's going do, right? I yeah. mean, who knows yeah. you're gonna, how you're going to answer, but do you hold off on showing us that because it's going to disappoint us if, if we don't get that call? Okay. Or, or do you let it, us topic. see it, right? It's a topic that we've, we've all talked about for decades. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the first conversations I have with I Have New Talent is something like this. We will always show, good or bad, the replays. Okay. If a player makes a bad play... I don't show it multiple times, but I will show it. If a shortstop or a second baseman, they don't get their glove down mm -hmm. or whatever the situation is, or maybe they don't run fast, 
I will show one look of it mm -hmm. and then move on. You don't want to kick uh, them while they're down. No, they exactly. They, they, nobody's more, more mad than they are. Yeah. You know, so, but it's my responsibility, again, to give the information to the fans. Uh, I will never hold a replay if it goes against our team. Be, uh, we need to, we have a responsibility to, because someone else is going to show that replay. Remember, yeah. there's another visiting show yeah. or home if we're, you know, on the road. Uh, someone else is going It'll to show that. It'll be on Twitter in a few minutes somewhere, yes. right? And this also goes to, and this is a scenario, something that happened when I was in Chicago. Um, if things happen in the dugout, if there's a disagreement with two players or a manager and the player, people are going to see that. So let's just say that I'm at home. We're, we're in Arlington, and there is a dust-up between Woody and a player. Um, if I don't show that, but the visiting team does, or people in the stands do, mm -hmm. and we don't show it, people are going to question why we why? didn't show it. Yeah. Show it. And now they're going. Well, they're in part. They're business partners with, you know, with the team. They're protecting their players. They're not credible. So you go down that road. Right. There is, and this. So this, I I didn't have it specifically happen to me in Chicago, but it happened in Chicago with Kerry Wood, where he was upset the way half inning went. He went into the dugout, grabbed one of the guy's bats, and he went up the tunnel to the clubhouse. But you could see him from his like lower, like from his abdomen down. Mm -hmm. But you could see the bat mm -hmm. just breaking over He's the wall. He was anger out. he was getting the anger uh -huh. out. The the broadcast decided the home broadcast decided not. He showed it. The producer showed it in the ISO to the talent during a commercial break, but decided not to show it. Well, a writer had come by the booth and saw it and saw that they didn't put it on the broadcast and the next morning wrote an article about you know this relationship between teams and the networks and they don't give They're you all the information they protect the teams and I remember sitting in with our president uh, after that a couple days after and said if it happens on the field you have a responsibility to show it now if your camera is zooming all the way up right. you know that's probably going to be off limits because people in the in the building can't see that yeah um, but if it happens on the field or in the dugout we have a responsibility to show it Good. so I like that that's a good, fair, fair game. Correct. If it's out I can always, to be seen. I don't listen. Nobody wants, we're, we're, we love our team, and we love the people that work for our team, and I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but, but ultimately I would explain to whoever I report to to the team that this would be, if I didn't show it, you would get more backlash this way. Mm -hmm. It's important for us to show it and move on. Yeah, tell the whole story. Tell the story and move on. Because that's what you said at the beginning. Yeah. You're there to to tell the story of what's going on on the ice or the right. field to the people that can't be there. Right. We're at home watching it. Right. We'd like to be there more often. Of course. My family, we get to about one Stars game a season and one Rangers game a season. Tons of, of local sports here in Frisco, of course, but not as many in person. So we're we're watching on TV most of the time. Good. We appreciate all get the those work. Those ratings that, up. More yeah. People. We appreciate all the work that you guys put in. It's it's fascinating to me. I could ask you a million more questions, but maybe next time we'll do a round two. Uh, maybe when hockey season's rolling around next year, we'll we'll dig in again. Great. But thank you for the time. You're welcome. I know you're a busy man. You're always in a truck somewhere producing a show, so or a game. Sorry. I know it's not a show. It's a game. <laughs> um, so thanks for coming and talking to us. Thank you. Appreciate it.